Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. This episode of Michigan Minds is part of a special series from the University of Michigan Public Engagement and Impact in collaboration with the Office of Vice President for Research to discuss firearm injury prevention. I am happy to be joined today by U of M faculty member, Dr. Justin Heinze. Dr. Heinze, can you please formally introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Hello, everyone. My name is Justin Heinze, and I'm an assistant professor of health behavior and health education in the School of Public Health. I also serve as a director of the National Center for School Safety. It's a training and technical assistance center where we focus on disseminating evidence-based school safety practices. And can you elaborate a little bit on the areas that your research focuses? My research emphasis is in examining health disparities in adolescence and young adulthood, and I consider the risk and protective factors that contribute to youth substance use, uh, mental duress, and violence. I'm really interested in some of the structural features of school contexts and the policies that perpetuate inequity in violence and firearm outcomes, and how these institutions can serve as settings for prevention and later health promotion. And so school safety is something that is often broadly discussed. So can you share some details as to the school violence that is a concern and how often that occurs? Sure. And I I get asked that question a a fair bit. And, And on the one hand, we can look at some of the national statistics from the CDC or the National Center for Education Statistics that say about four of every five schools experience at least one crime a year. And about 20% of schools report a serious violent incident. So you can think about weapon-related threats or attacks or even sexual assault. Uh, What what concerns me about those figures is that they're the official statistics. uh, And they're often the ones that are reported to police, although not always. And I hate to use the word lesser, but maybe the less obvious or comparatively less serious violence. So things like bullying, intimidation, coercion, online victimization, those rates are a lot harder to capture. And what we do know suggests that they are distressingly common. I mean, we're ranging from a quarter to up to even a third of students reporting some of these things happening to them. And unfortunately, experiences like bullying and intimate partner violence, which can happen in our schools, are often underreported. But what's surprising to me, though, is that those rates aren't necessarily reflected in student perceptions. So only about 5% of students report being afraid to go to school. Uh, But they also might be those repeat victims and those that are the most vulnerable. So these are things that are happening to students on a consistent basis. And although that might be a small minority of students, uh, the implications are, are very serious. Can you share a little bit about how you conducted that research to gather that information? Sure, and I think it's coming from multiple sources. I think the the most reliable and consistent sources are coming from federal agencies. So the CDC has their behavioral risk factor surveillance system, the BRFSS. Um, You see this in schools across the country, and it has reporting of student experiences along with some other school factors. And we get a sense of where uh, students are coming in in terms of their exposure. 
the National Center for Education Statistics also has annual reports uh, of uh, violence and events that are happening that schools are reporting. Um, I mentioned, however, that there is also a lot of other forms of violence that might not be captured by these broad surveys. Um, and for the most part, we're drawing from individual studies, which is wonderful. We're starting to see a lot of studies that are focused on violence. Um, but then we're talking about very specific samples um, and very specific forms of data collection. The measurement itself isn't always consistent. So what uh, I might try to assess as violence might not be the same as what a, a researcher in Utah or in Texas might be trying to assess. Um, so there are those problems and we're really trying to piece together this information. But I will say, despite um, that sort of uh, disconnected research, the, the theme, the, the consistency with which we are seeing some of these rates of violence exposure um, and, and violence happening within schools are fairly consistent across a majority of the studies that, that I've seen in the last 10 years, for example. Why is focusing on safety in schools integral to fostering positive outcomes for youth? And what outcomes are impacted? Although it might seem obvious to, to most people, we still need to ask ourselves the question why focusing on safety in schools is important. Uh, and, and psychologists and, and education and human development scholars have been writing about this for years. So in order to really self-actualize as humans, and in, in this context, we're talking about you know, realizing your full potential as a student, you first have to have some of those foundational needs met. So along with things like food and shelter, feeling safe. And I'm not going to argue it's just feeling, or I, I will argue that it's not just feeling physically safe, um, but psychologically and emotionally safe as well. I mean, these are indispensable to promoting learning. So students who are exposed to violence experience negative ramifications across almost any outcome domain you can think of. Social outcomes like peer aggression, emotional and psychological outcomes like depression and anxiety, uh, behavior outcomes, things like substance use and getting into fights, and even physical outcomes like sleep disturbance and allostatic load, which is kind of your body's barometer for stress. All of these things can be affected by violence. Um, and it's not just in the moment uh, we are seeing in our research that there are distal consequences from that violence exposure. So it can manifest uh, months and even years into the future. What approaches have you studied that could be implemented to enhance school safety? We approach school safety from multiple lenses and, and think about interventions that can be implemented before, during, and after violent events. So folks in injury prevention will probably recognize the Haddon's matrix here, thinking about uh, the victim, thinking about the, the agent, and thinking about the context, all of which kind of come together uh, when, when violence is occurring. So from a public health perspective, we're thinking about prevention and we're talking about school violence. That means developing and testing interventions focused on some of the antecedents like school climate and promoting positive health in students. We're also looking to see if educating students, staff, and administrators to recognize when a student might be a danger to themselves or others is an effective upstream strategy, so happening before the violent event might ever occur. As we get closer to when an incident might happen, say a student bringing a gun to school, we want to understand the efficacy of reporting systems. So these are ways that students can uh, reach out to a trusted adult or an administrator to say, I'm worried about myself, I'm worried about one of my peers. Um, and this is, can alert adults or their proper, their proper authorities uh, when violence is imminent. 
Uh, and the reason these are important is truly random, spontaneous acts of violence are rare. And more often than not, someone else knows when violence might happen. So to, to pull students in and to provide them with an outlet um, to make some of those reports could be a way to stop violence in the moment or right before it occurs. And then you know that trauma can happen uh, in a variety of ways and understanding how not just students, but teachers and the broader school community cope with that trauma is, an, is important to supporting recovery. Um, and there's a lot to learn in those areas about how schools move past um, a traumatic event or a violent event. And you, you mentioned a student you know, bringing a gun to school is one of these instances that could occur. And in discussing school safety, I'm sure you hear this question often because I think active shooter drills you know, come to, to mind for many people. And so I'm curious, what can schools do to make those as effective as possible while minimizing stress? That's a very important question. Uh, active shooter, or sometimes they're called lockdown drills, are becoming increasingly common. I've seen some statistics to suggest up to 90 or even 95% of schools are participating in some form of active, active shooter drills um, as they try to prepare for some of the most extreme forms of violence. What concerns me is that there isn't much, if any, evidence to suggest that they are effective at reducing firearm or other injury. And in some cases, they might even be harmful to students if they're conducted in a way that is highly stressful. So for example, scare tactics or trying to stimulate a realistic response using simulated scenarios. So for example, having uh, uh, bodies in the hallway pose as, as people who've been shot or simulating live gunfire. Uh, I think those are going to be counterproductive. I think if anything we've seen from those examples, students are reporting stress or trauma from that experience. Uh, just like with other forms of emergency planning, think tornado drills or fire drills, I think it's important to communicate what is happening and why to students, staff, and parents too. You know, following a drill, I think there needs to be a space for those who need to process what just happened, which could make you know previous trauma salient, or it could engender a, a stress response. So creating that opportunity for students to either decompress or talk about their feelings is going to be critical uh, for students to be moving forward. Um, it's an ideal time in my mind to reinforce the idea of students' role as members of the school community and encourage reaching out if they are worried about themselves or others. So again, thinking back to um, those reporting systems and creating that trust between students and uh, the, the adults in the building. From an implementation perspective, with so little guidance in terms of best practices, I don't think you want to put all the onus on principals to decide when and how to implement these drills. Rather, when we've spoken to principals about their campus's physical safety, they've told us that they really value collaborative discussions with their superintendents. They like to have their SROs, if they have them, or law enforcement involved. And they like to know that their mental health professionals are weighing in too, so that he can make these decisions jointly. Your work is a part of the University of Michigan's new Institute for Firearm Research, which brings experts from a wide array of fields together to generate knowledge and advance solutions to decrease firearm injury in the U.S. What is the significance of this multidisciplinary approach and focus at our institution? 
I'm very excited about this new institute. And the reason why this is so exciting to me is when I think about the problem of violence and firearm violence in schools, schools like people, like students, do not operate in a vacuum. It's not as though students can flip a switch and turn off the problems they see at home or in their communities when they step onto campus. Uh, we approach student development from a whole student perspective, and I, I'd extend that idea to a whole school perspective. So when we talk about violence in schools and school firearm violence specifically, I want to hear about and understand root causes which might be studied by a sociologist or a developmental psychologist. I want to understand how policies and physical spaces can make firearm violence more or less likely, which I might hear about from scholars from public policy or from the law school or urban planning. And I want to investigate trauma-informed care into responses following a violent event, which might include social workers or psychiatrists and physicians. Uh, firearm violence and its ramifications are multifaceted, so it makes sense that our study of, of, of and approaches to prevention are equally diverse. I'm hopeful that with this new initiative, we can bring even more voices to the table. What does an anthropologist have to say about culture's role and how we approach firearm violence? Uh, architects are entering the school design space with safety in mind, so how are they creating buildings um, to improve safety? And there are these well-documented disparities in firearm injury by sex and race. Um, and in my mind, this underscores the need for scholars focused on some of those structural influences, such as racism and sexism and heteronormativity, that do manifest as differences in firearm victimization. Their voices need to be at the table, too. So this institute is an opportunity to draw on all the resources, all the different researches that, that's happening at the university into this common theme. And I think that's going to create productive collaborations and new and innovative ways to address this, um, this huge injury burden across the country. So we are approaching National Gun Violence Awareness Day, which is observed on June 4th. Why is school safety an issue that should be a part of these conversations? Unfortunately, schools are not immune to firearm violence. And yet schools are these bedrock institutions in communities. They are a place where some of our most vulnerable population goes on a consistent basis. And when violence happens in schools, it affects not just the students and staff and administrators in the building, but it has ramifications for parents, for other community members. And when extreme violence happens within these schools, we see those ramifications extending out to states and even the whole country. So firearm researchers need to pay attention to what's happening within our schools. Fortunately, firearm violence is fairly rare on school grounds. Um, but many of the antecedents that might contribute to either later firearm violence or creating spaces for that violence to occur uh, are potential spaces for intervention. And so for those of us in public health and education, uh, we can continue to work with school partners to try to understand not no longer just the epidemiology of firearm violence and violence that's happening within schools, but what are some of those best practices that we can, uh, that we can implement uh, that will address not only the violence, but then also promote student learning and development. Last question, and I, I ask this because you've shared an immense amount of information. So what is one or two key takeaways that you want all listeners to have from this conversation? 
I, I think a key takeaway from this conversation is something we just referenced a little tangentially. There are a lot of interventions that are occurring in schools across the country that do not have a lot of research and evidence to support their efficacy. We can sometimes use schools as these proving grounds to test new ideas and strategies. And I think that can be very dangerous. One, from creating a false sense of security to the extreme where what we're doing could be harmful to students. So I do think we need to use a systematic and scientific approach to make sure what we're testing is done in a way that's centering the students and their experience, that's not overly burdensome to schools and their staff, uh, but then also has clear implications and it's not just for the sake of better understanding that we are working towards interventions and policies that we believe can make schools safer. Thank you, Dr. Heinze, for joining Michigan Minds for this special series. We sincerely appreciate your time and the information that you've provided. Listeners can learn more information at firearminjury.umich.edu. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast, a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.